is Chicago's college tailgate. Tailgate. Shane Norman and Tyler. Shane and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Welcome in to Chicago's College Tailgate, recapping everything that we saw in week 11 as the hourglass continues to dwindle on this college football season. I can't believe we're at where we're at, Shay, because we have gone through pretty much the entirety of the regular season, still have conference championships, still have rivalry weekend left as well, but there is a lot to get to from this past week. First of all, welcome back to the state of Illinois after your hiatus out to columbus to go take a, in the shoe um what, what a dumb trip <laughs> really you're gonna that, that's no, your takeaway it was it was fun but it was like when you're sitting in the stadium and your team's just getting fucking murdered it's hard to be like boy this was worth it and then like at the end of the night we kind of did the nightly debrief you know we go through everything mm-hmm. that we did in the day and what, what the best part and it was definitely worth it the uh, columbus tailgate scene especially for a night game was nuts they do a really good job i don't know if you've ever been there i've i've been to columbus but i have not been for a football game i've been for a basketball game so a lot of the big 10 schools or at least in my experience really michigan state like it the campus is so big and spread out and the tailgating like there's not huge parking lots the tailgating kind of takes place street side through these winding michigan state campus roads and it's all really far apart it doesn't feel centralized columbus like ohio state it feels like they have a pro team it's a stadium dropped in the middle of the city there's parking lots all around it it's technically on campus but it never feels like it and like bars across every street like it's just it feels like a pro team and it feels like a pro tailgate but a different level of passion obviously because i don't know you i always feel like college football fans are more passionate than pro football fans i agree like you have a personal Mm -hmm. attachment to what you're rooting for it's kind of like it's the it's the city's event every single and like people pour in from the surrounding areas not to say that's not the case in the nfl but no definitely here's the way i would put it I could see more people in college going to a tailgate and then maybe not going to the game and just watching it in their truck bed with a television put out there after the the tailgate's over and everyone goes into the stadium, but some people hang back and watch the game in at yeah. the tailgate spot. I don't think you would do that in the NFL. Yeah, that's and there's so much there's so much of that because one thing I noticed that you never notice in the NFL is like you go around to the bars and they've got this bar called the O right across the street from the stadium and you walk around like you start talking to people and everybody's asking oh are you going to the game and it's like so there's going to be 106,000 people in the stadium or whatever and there's also 100,000 people surrounding mm-hmm. the stadium just partying going nuts we left Honestly, we left halfway through the third quarter because, like, you go in, you see the anthem, you see them do the marching band entry, they dot the I, all the cool stuff you want to see. You get the immediate atmosphere of a night game, and it got loud. Like, Michigan State's first possession, I was looking at my buddy and my dad, and I'm like, How, where did this come from? I didn't think there'd be an energy for it. And then by the time it was 14 nothing, people were like, okay, we're bored. We're done. It's all good. So the atmosphere <laughs> tapers off. We stayed for the band at halftime, and then we're like, it's 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 thirty eight to fucking three. Let's uh let's go. <laughs> like let's there's no reason to stick around for this. Um I said some unsavory things in the stands, but 
I was really self-deprecating. Like, I saw a good Ohio State fan experience because my team was so bad. All I could do was joke about Harlan Barnett's an idiot. These decisions make me want to do self-harm. Like, all I could do (laughs) was joke, and everybody around was eating it up. Like, I felt like Bob Hope in the section. These Ohio State fans know they're going to kill us. I'm just like, this is miserable, and I'm having fun with it. Like, it was a really good time. That's awesome. I mean, like... You knew what you were getting into. It's exactly. not like you went in there. It'd be different if it was what we were expecting with a a Michigan-Ohio State game right. this year. If that game were to be played at the shoe, I think that would be a little bit of a different experience than than what you went through. One of the funniest things pregame, too, was like all these old Ohio State fans who've had season tickets for Crewnecks? so long. Was it a crewneck uh Quarter Big zip. Ten crew neck? Quarter, Quarter zip. zip. Okay. Yeah. But did it have the multicolored cuff on the, the sleeves? Yeah. Was it one there of those? The, yep. Do you was, know what I'm talking about yeah. now? <laughs> there was the quarter zip crowd. There was like the old windbreaker that's been in the closet since 1986. Mm-hmm. You yes. wore it to the Rose Bowl or something. Like there was all this <laughs> old shit. And I'm like, this is fantastic. Like there was stuff. My, my friend who uh, went to school there, her dad has been a season ticket holder since... He, he graduated, I think he said, in 79, and he said he's missed three home games since. And I'm like, dude, Jeez. the clothes on your back, I feel like, witnessed Woody Hayes coach games. Like, that's <laughs> how old this stuff was. But it was fun pregame because it, it was just – it was making me laugh, man. My team is so bad, and we're going in there, and I'm still hearing these Ohio State grads and fans going – well, you know, Michigan State's come here at night and beaten us before. It was oh, like, oh, it's that's so. You know, I get that all the time now, and, and not that my team is any sort of relevant, but whenever Syracuse plays Clemson, I hear it all the time. I'm like, oh, they they pulled the upset that one time, but every other game is. Cu- yeah, there have been a couple close ones, but for the most part, it's been blowouts. But yeah. it's like, oh, they hold hope to that one time of like that's their like little bit of bulletin board material. Well, like it's weird because for a while, like one of the guys said to me, for a long time there was like a decade where Michigan would come in and you just knew Michigan was gonna get freight trained. They weren't good. They were coming in to get stomped. And he was like, there was a while where the scariest team for us to play was Michigan State, and I'm like. You don't have to keep hitting me with the nostalgia because it just hurts <laughs> to remember where my program was and where it is now. And they're like asking me, well, what do you think about the head coach? And I'm going, if, it, or if it's Urban Meyer, I'm coming back to personally give you all thank you cards. <laughs> like, I, I'm coming back to personally thank you for giving me this. You card. would have to go to that. Urban's oh, first trip back to the, to the shoe. Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. I'd go to East Lansing for Ohio State's first trip up, too. Like, I, that, I'd be all in. And instead, I've got this, like, there's a press conference in two weeks where they're supposed to be announcing a name, and nobody knows who the name is. There's rumors now about Tony Elliott, which... Oh, boy. I think I would convert... The hell to, has he done to deserve that job? I think I would convert to an Ohio State fan. Like, I think I would just... I'd be an Ohio State fan now. Like, that that would be the point I would be driven to. But it was it was a good time, and I avoided as much patronizing as possible. Well done. So your guardian angel worked. Your guardian angel from earlier in the day worked? I think so. Yeah, I think All so. All right. Good on her. Good on her. Uh, for those who missed it, on the show on Saturday, Shay said he was met by a very nice lady at the hotel... Buckeye fan, right? Yeah. She walks up to me and she goes, good luck today. 
You're wearing I, a Spartan hat, right? Right. She goes, good luck today. I hope you enjoy yourself. And I'm like, oh, I know what I'm getting into. I think I'm going to enjoy myself. Like, it, it is what it is. And she goes, no, no, I'm not talking about the game. I hope they're not too mean to you. And I'm like, Jesus, what am I, go- what am I walking into here? But it was totally fine. All right. Well, glad to hear that. By the way, Chicago's College Tailgate, the podcast brought to you by Twin Peaks. All right. Let's Great get into Twin Peaks. Yes, absolutely. Love ourselves some Twin Peaks. All right. Let's get into the weekend of college football. And I think it starts with Michigan beating Penn State. No Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines in this game. And I, I think I want to play a little bit of a let's divvy up the the causes or like why we got what we got in this game. Now it was a 24 15 final by far and away the closest game we've seen between Michigan and an opponent this year. The most points Michigan's allowed, which is pretty impressive to this part, but okay, let's divvy it up. How much of this was the emotion of not having Harbaugh on the sidelines? How much of this close result was also maybe there was no sign stealing involved and how much of this was Penn State isn't a terrible opponent that you saw on the other side? I'm going to take the sign stealing completely out of it. A, I have no idea what the actual impact is. And B, I don't fucking care. I just, I, I'm so exhausted of talking about it. So I'm not, I don't care. I'm not going to talk about it at all. Um, one, I think the emotion. How about Sharon Moore after the game? <laughs> I mean, you would Rest have thought peace, Jim. you would have thought Jim Harbaugh died if you had paid no attention. That was attention a eulogy, <laughs> and you just flipped the game on and saw the end. You would have thought he passed away. Sharon Moore's in tears. This was for you, Jim. You, we love the shit out of you, man. And it's like, did he die? Is he uh, is he all right, dude? He's just you'll see him. Tomorrow. You would have thought they were wearing JH patches on their jerseys right. with the, the post game he gave. I'm like, hang on, he's not even banned from the facility. Hang on, he a might minute. coach next week. You're gonna see him tomorrow morning. You're gonna see him when he's you get back to the Hyatt. You're gonna yeah. You're gonna get back <laughs> to the hotel. To he's he's soaking in the hot tub with a mai tai. You're gonna get back to the hotel and see him. What did we cry? You might motherfuck you on the way home, right? Like uh, of all the things you did screw up in this game. Um, on the football side, I, I got to tell you, Michigan won that game, and they did it in a way that I thought was brilliant. JJ McCarthy attempted eight total yes. passes. Like I've got some numbers on that with him too. They just pounded the rock. And Penn St- here's the thing. I am legitimately concerned, if I'm a Michigan fan, going into the Ohio State game now. You get the little sandwich, the reprieve against Maryland. But the running didn't result in points. Like, it's not like Michigan dropped 40. It's not like they ran down Penn State's throat and 50-pieced them. They struggled to score. It was run as much as we can, bleed a lot of clock, own field position, dominate time of possession, and let's get the fuck out of here. They can't play offense. That Tyler, that's the way Michigan used to play with Harbaugh when Ohio State would beat the fucking brakes off of them. Yeah. And it felt like a return to that kind of game, and it felt like, honestly, these guys, Sean Moore and uh, whoever else is on the offensive side there without Harbaugh, I don't think they trusted J.J. to throw the ball. That was my exact thought. So seven of eight for 60 yards for J.J. McCarthy. That's less than half of his previous career low for a start. He had 129 yards against Nebraska last year. He had 60 in this game, 
And for the second straight week now, no touchdowns for J.J. McCarthy. He's effectively, not that I I think both you and I weren't huge on him to be a Heisman candidate, but he's punted himself out of the the Heisman candidacy. They have taken the ball out of his hands. I mean, how many times in the second half did we see runs on third and long? Well, that's my point. And they were working, but... Again, it's not like they ran the ball and it was like chunk play after chunk play after chunk play and you're just like dropping touchdowns doing it. It was third and seven, third and eight and kind of in negative territory and you're handing the ball off. And I'm like, I know they have a lead, but it's not a huge one. And if anything goes wrong, like this was at the point when I think it was what, uh, 14-9 after Franklin Mm -hmm. tried to make it 14-11 and it took a little bit for Michigan to open that up. And I'm just like, or even at 17-9, third and long, I'm like, is this, is, mm-hmm. this is still a one-score game, and I get you yeah. want to bleed clock and get out, and your defense is playing really well, but to not let J.J. throw the ball at all was really surprising. And it, if I'm a Michigan fan, I'm a little worried going into the Ohio State game. Yeah, and a little side note here, even though he threw the ball eight times in this game, somehow was the better quarterback and was the more trusted quarterback, I Drew think, in Allers. this game. Oh, my God. Drew Aller is horrible. I mean, 10 what? of 22 for 70 yards for Drew Aller. And before that late chunk play, and I can't remember if it was Donovan Edwards or Quorum that scored to make it the... Uh, Edwards, yeah. They put it out the of 22-yard run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before that play happened, that fourth down that Penn State tried in their own territory, and the ball just like flutters out of Aller's hand, goes nowhere, nobody's in the area. Tyler, he played horrible. He played horrible at Ohio State. He played horrible against Michigan. And it just, boy, is it time for a new voice at Penn State with James Franklin? Like, this might not be entirely his fault. But you keep stacking up these great defenses, these great teams, good on paper offenses. Like Nick Singleton's awesome, but the formations are so vanilla. I mean, how many times do I have to see you line up in a full house or a wing tee and get two yards on a run play? Like, figure something else out. It just, Drew Aller looks bad. The offense looks bad. I wonder where Penn State goes from here. Yeah, I mean, and... Are they geared up? Are they kind of like in a Notre Dame territory where they're geared up with a 12 team playoff? You're going to get in or at least be knocking on the door every single right. year. But in a four or maybe even an eight team playoff, you really don't have too much of a chance. You'll be knocking on the door a couple of years. Maybe you get in once or twice every five to seven years. But, but like, even I, I'm, what's the but value like, what's, in it? Do you know what I mean? Like, you make a 12-team playoff. Okay, great. Well, you can freight train the bad teams that you play in the Would worst even... Big Ten ever. Yeah. And then... Are, but are you even going to freight train now with well, all these teams coming in from the Pac-12? True. Now you've got to play USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon. I know UCLA just fired their coach, and they're not mm-hmm. in great great shape. But uh, you get USC... Still a big program, yeah. Right. USC's a big program. Washington and Oregon... Look, Dan Lanning's not going anywhere. Kalen DeBoer's set to sign an extension. I don't know what he can do without Michael Penix, but they've put together a bit of a program now. Like He brought in Michael Penix, so. Can you hold up with those teams? And I don't know. And can with those teams coming in, can you make a 12-team playoff? you got to be in that top seven, because I know for sure you're not winning the Big Ten. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's going to be an interesting future for for a team like Penn State. But okay, getting back to Michigan. Like the game plan and the way that that game played out, you're not beating Ohio State like that. 
The Ohio State defense is so suffocating, you will not stand a chance against that Buckeye defense if you roll out a game plan like that because like Penn State is just a worse version of Ohio State. And if you're squeaking by a little nine-point victory, and I know that the the Michigan-Ohio State game, the game is going to be at home. It's going to be in the big house for Michigan, but you're not winning like that. We've And Ohio State has gone on the road in a hostile environment and pulled out a grind fest against Notre Dame this year. And I think they could pull the same thing off again. And I, I think offensively, like you probably have better pieces on a team like Notre Dame when you think about Sam Hartman and and Audric Estime. Like yeah. there may be better pieces on Notre Dame's team and, and Joe Alt on the offensive line too. Like they may be a better offense than Michigan. I'm not going to go that far because I think the wheels have come off for Sam Hartman. But I think you're right on. Like you look at the Ohio State defense, ransom in a high level corner, can play the nickel, can play outside. I feel like they're really strong up front. They've been good stopping the run. And then kind of like watch out. Is it just me or is Kyle McCord getting a little better throwing a deep ball? Yeah. I, <laughs> I think there's two guys uh, that I'm, I'm starting to turn the corner that we were really skeptical about. Um, and, and I think this is the perfect transition here. But it's it's Kyle McCord starting to turn a corner. And you know who else is turning a corner? Jalen Miller. Carson Beck. Oh, no, Carson yeah. Carson Beck. Beck, too. Carson Beck, Carson good, Beck is starting to spin the ball, man. Let's get into that Georgia game because they pumped Ole Miss. Yeah. And this, is, this was their statement game. You go out and throttle a top 10 team, according to yep. the – to the rankings at the time in in Ole Miss and boy at 52 17 you get Brock Bowers back too and, and he goes out scores a touchdown in his final game in Athens like that was a special special performance there by Georgia and rightfully so they are the new number one team in college football in my opinion yeah I mean that's the game we've been waiting all year to see from Georgia it was and we saw it against Kentucky and we saw it against Florida but I think both of us kind of felt like Okay, those teams might be fake. And then Ole Miss, we were both really kind of high on. We were both on the Ole Miss side, and we were both wrong Mm -hmm. because Georgia blasted them. I mean, that was – Ole Miss takes a 7-0 lead, and you go, oh, boy, here we go. And it was a little bit – we got a game tonight. (laughs) It was a little bit like the TCU game in the playoff where it was like, oh, man, TCU can play. Well, that was fun while it lasted. This one's over. Like, that – Georgia absolutely put their foot on the gas, absolutely earned the number one ranking. And honestly, they kind of just, it was a reminder moment of like, oh yeah, they are the best team in the country. They are the favorite to win the national championship and they should be. Like that, that was a big check in the box for me of like, is this team as elite as they're being said they are? And Shay, you know what? Like Carson Beck is the reason. Like that's the thing that was holding us back from yep. making the grand Georgia proclamation all yep. year long. He went out and dominated in that game. 18 to 25, 306 yards, two touchdowns, got the running game involved as well. I mean, he's spreading the ball around too. I'm looking right now. I don't know how many of these were um all I guess only uh the backup that came in only completed one pass. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys catch a ball in this yeah. game. Yeah. I mean, it's they feel really well-rounded. Look, I'm not going to sit here and be like pummeling the Ole Miss defense. It's a big sign that you've arrived because mm-hmm. we know Ole Miss, the defense, we saw what it was against Bama. We saw what it was against LSU. 
We saw now again what it was against Georgia. Maybe the defense for them is just not very good, and maybe in part because Lane Kiffin's an asshole. I don't know how much that plays into it, but you got to give credit where credit's due for Georgia to just go stomp somebody like that when we were asking them to do it all season. That was what I really needed to see. And now it's like, if you look at the hypothetical line, I think it got taken down. But before the Georgia Ole Miss game, it was Georgia laying four and a half in a national title against Alabama, or in a SEC title against Alabama. And I was like, I, I think I got to take Georgia if it's going to be that. And now I'm like, I four and a half, dude, I'd lay 10. <laughs> Are you serious? That seems incredible. Yeah. But okay. I don't know if you have any more Georgia thoughts here, but Alabama is also worth talking about. Because, Are they back? Oh, they were buried, and now I think that Adam Abdallah may be high-stepping into the playoff. Like, I know they do have to go out and beat Georgia to yep. get into the playoff, and that's a very, very tall task because we yeah. see what it looks like when Georgia gets up for games. But Alabama, on this felt like a sleepy spot where Bama was either going to play a close game. I thought they could potentially lose this game to Kentucky as well. But they put their foot on the gas in the first quarter, 21 points, and they never let off the rope in in this game against the Wildcats. I mean, Jalen Milrow, six touchdowns in this game, three on the ground, three through the air. He has – are we going to elevate him above game manager at this point? Like maybe he's just a running quarterback who's got these flashes with the arms with the arm now. Like he is a special running quarterback, and he's more than a game manager at this point for me. Yeah, I'm I'm getting closer and closer to being like Jalen Milrose legitimately good, it, and it scares me to say it because he's not was, elite, but good. He was so bad at the start of the year and really into like the middle of the year, but. Dude, if he played this well all season, he'd be running away with the Heisman Trophy. Like, what he's done the past couple weeks and against good teams, the LSU game where he's just a power back and scoring touchdown after touchdown, and then to do it again against Kentucky on the road in a spot that could have been sleepy. Kroger Field, noon kick on a Saturday, 11 a.m., I think they're on Central Time. Like, it could have been a really kind of sleepy spot. Let's just get in, get out. And instead, they flattened them. And it's, I got to give credit to Nick Saban, too. I killed Nick Saban for not taking transfers. I killed him for the NIL stubbornness. I think he's doing one of his finest coaching jobs with this team because I still believe this is far from the best roster he's ever had, like miles Mm -hmm. from the best roster he's ever had. And he's knocking on the door of the playoff again. It's unbelievable what they've been able to do. And you convert to a power run team, like that's not what they want to do. The last mm-hmm. five seasons, they've had good qu- – ten seasons. Really, since like A.J. McCarron, they've had great quarterbacks. They've been vertical, deep threat, huge wide receiver outside. Let's target him. Go nuts. Heisman winning quarterbacks. And now it's like, we're just going to line up and run it down your throat, and there's nothing you can do to stop us. It's really interesting to see it develop back to old Bama and still work. You know what's kind of frustrating with these playoff rankings now? is we're looking at some of these teams and a lot of their head-to-heads, like Washington and Oregon, there's obviously the head-to-head game there, but Oregon's looked like the better team. Yep. Bama and Texas, the head-to-head matchups there, and Texas is ranked ahead of Bama, but Bama's looked like the better yep. team. And I think some of these games now, I know we have to make the head-to-heads matter, 
But I do think we have to start to move past some of it because these are completely different teams at this point. And if you line them up on the field tomorrow, I'm probably taking the other team in the matchup Absolutely. that previously lost the head-to-head. And Texas, obviously, there's context around it because you lose Quinn Ewers, you're starting Malik Murphy. But even with Q- Quinn Ewers, like, they weren't. I'm still taking Bama. Yeah, they weren't. Like, Quinn Ewers was great in the Bama game, but that mm-hmm. felt like a different version of the Bama team. And he was kind of not great as he went towards the injury. And now Malik Murphy's been fine, but they're struggling to put teams away. I'm done with Texas. And I don't care if you beat no. Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title and you, like, have this decent resume with the Bama win, I would not put them in the playoff. I think they'd get destroyed by any of the three teams ahead of them. We've talked so much about how this year there's actually enough quality. Let's make sure we get the four best teams. Like, I think Oregon is going to force the hand on that because I do think they're going to pump Washington in the Big 12 or in the Pac 12 title. Um, We'll see with Florida State. I still think there's a chance they get left out undefeated. Yeah, that's. They don't look good. The the committee's dream is Louisville playing spoiler in the ACC so. title game. Oh my god! I mean, and I just I don't get how we have in in this latest playoff ranking that came out yesterday is you've got Florida State ahead of Washington at this point. Where wow. I, the the strength of record, all that stuff, it doesn't make sense. You collect some like take some of the best wins that each team has, and it's quite frankly not close. And then, like, when we get to the four, it's not going to matter for anything other than who you play because we know, like, it doesn't really matter where you're seated. Mm-hmm. But what's going to piss me off, and it shouldn't, but it will, is undefeated Florida State will be ranked ahead of possibly an Oregon team that will avenge their only loss of the season and is way better with a way better resume. If if Oregon beats Washington, I think you have to treat them as a a no loss team. I agree at that point because of the fact that you're beating the team that beat you earlier in the season and you're beating them at a more critical time in the evaluation process and you're doing so on a neutral field as well after near nearly losing just barely losing to them yeah on a in a road game. Like you have to start looking at this as that was like that that loss is all of a sudden off of the your, your resume at that point. And they're just they're going to stack wins against good teams now if they keep doing this. Like they've got the Washington game where it was kicker error, that was a loss and since then they just bludgeon everybody. And it's not nobody squads. Like it's you beat the fuck out of Utah. You beat the hell out of Cal. You SC comes in and I know it was closer but it never really felt close. Like USC right. never felt in that game. It was just Bo Nix, another 400 yards and four touchdowns. It's like every week, this guy just yeah. 400 yards and four touchdowns. Oh, now, here, I'll add some of two that, on the ground. Yeah. Some of that does have to do with the fact that uh, USC's tackling is... Atrocious. I, I saw some of the worst angles I think I've ever seen on a football field in that game. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you fire your DC in week nine. Mm-hmm. Things probably aren't going yeah. well. Week 10, mm-hmm. whenever they did it. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're not good. Like that, yeah. USC's actively bad. I feel bad for ever pumping their tires in the offseason. <laughs> You want to know? I, I did a little little uh, stat research on USC, and it's just something I went back and watched that game because I wanted to watch Bo Nix. I wanted to watch Caleb Williams, right? From more of an NFL draft perspective, there more so than the college stuff. But boy, Caleb is working with nothing. I know nothing. For, and, and you want to know the thing that really hurts him? The penalties. I, I 
You know, USC has the second most penalty yardage in the nation. Wow. Yeah. Second most in the nation, third most penalties in the nation. For context, Michigan is the most quote unquote penalty discipline team in the country. And their numbers are a third of what USC's are. Jesus. I mean, it feels like it when you watch them, right? Like the, it, it, they don't do anything right in the fundamental side of the game. And it's, I got questions about Lincoln Riley now, too, because every drop back just feels like Caleb save us. We, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. I don't know what we're scheming. I don't know who we're going to. Just please find a way and save us. And I think he's been admirable, but obviously not great. Like the Notre Dame game still sticks out as what the yeah. fuck happened. But there? I do think you, you look at everything that's, that he's had to deal with this year with the defense sucks. You lose your top pass catcher from the year before. Like, that's why I'm still in the camp of he's my number one overall pick if I'm the Chicago Bears. I'm still taking Caleb Williams number one overall because he's had to deal with so much bullshit this year. And if you put him in somewhat of a structure, I think he'll still be the the best quarterback of any of the guys eligible. I think that's – man, I don't know. I'm at a point with both. Like, if you put him with a DJ Moore – I'm at a point and you with- give him a and you give him what the current Bears offensive line is. Maybe you go out and draft a tackle with your other pick. I'm still taking Caleb Williams. I I get it. The talent, the Mahomes stuff, it's all there. I'm at a point with Bo Nix where I I feel like he might be the certainly the most pro ready him and Penix to me. And I wonder if Bo Nix is the best quarterback in this class. Like I hated Tyler. I hated his game. I think we talked about <laughs> it. But here's the thing. People hated Joe Burrow's game too. Yep, like Joe Burrow Bingo. was awful Bingo. his first year at LSU. Like his first, how many years did he start at LSU? Two or three? Two. He started two, two. at LSU. Okay, and the first his year first was atrocious. Atrocious. I remember uh, we played against him, and when I was in college, we played against Joe Burrow. His uh, senior season, I think, because he had a redshirt senior season too. So we got him his fourth year of college football. He was atrocious. He was. There's no fear uh, against going against Joe Burrow. And then obviously at LSU, and it's a little bit like Bo Nix, and maybe at a lesser extent, but like LSU stacked talent the year that he was incredible, mm-hmm. and you had Jamar Chase, and you had, like you had NFL players everywhere. It was maybe the best offense. Justin in- Jefferson was on that team. Like <laughs> it was maybe the best offense in college football history. And yeah. Bo Nix, it does. It feels similar. Like everything I hated about his game couldn't go on the road. Kind of turnover happy, especially on the road. Couldn't close in big games. And you'd like, go back and watch the fourth quarter against Washington. Road environment, rivalry game, super hostile. And in the fourth quarter, he was absolute nails. And the one play where I thought it really stood out that he had a mistake was the fourth down where his quarterback rolled a righty left. And it's like, what? Why are we doing that in the first place? It makes no sense. You're forcing him to throw across his body. Of course that doesn't work. But then he just shakes it off, comes back out down now without the lead, and puts him in field goal range. He was nails. And I just watch it and go, he's just got it. Caleb, I don't know if he's got it. He's got all the talent. He's got this Mahomes upside. But I don't know if he has that thing that you need to beat good teams. You need to excel in big moments. And it was what Joe Burrow had at LSU that final year. And it's what Bo Nix, I think, has this year. Here's my thing with Bo Nix is I don't know if he could end up being a top five quarterback. He could be a top ten type quarterback. I just don't know if he'll be top five. And I think 
when you've got a chance at a guy who could be maybe top three level special with Caleb Williams, I think it's worth the dice roll, even at one. Well, that's probably true, and I'm not saying I take Bo Nix And one. that's why maybe the best course of action, if you're the Bears, is trade out. Yeah. I've it been... might be, and just take – you don't have to take a quarterback first overall, or, or you don't have to make the first overall pick in this year's draft. I've been thinking about that too. Like, Bo Nix, let's say he gets picked – 15, 16, 17, 18, in that range. Mm -hmm. If you trade out a one and you pick up another bonus first-round pick next year and you pick up something later in this year's draft and maybe you get a player back and you can take Marvin Harrison with your own pick and then get Bo Nix at, like, 17, doesn't that feel like a dream? You still get a kid who's really good and looks pro-ready. You get a wide receiver... You get another pick next year. You get a bonus pick later. You can fill in a hole with a starter. Like, it just kind of just started what to make about, sense to me. What about if you just, I mean, Maybe I'm trade. an idiot. It's entirely possible I'm an idiot. Yeah, but. And, and that's the thing that I think we're seeing more and more with the these drafts and with quarterbacks is, like, who knows at this point? Like, maybe you pass on Caleb and you're just a moron, and, and he ends up being the best quarterback in the league. But you maybe you... Maybe Caleb, like all the flaws that we're starting to see, kind of poke their head out this year. Maybe he doesn't adjust at the NFL level. And some of these other guys that are, are projected like two through five from a quarterback standpoint are the real deal and end up having the best careers. Did you hear David Tepper today talking about? I did not, no. <laughs> Somebody asked him about what happened with the top pick. And mm -hmm. he's like going through this entire process of we had a deal in place. Houston was going to trade up to one. We were going to trade with Chicago to go up to two. And it was like basically Tepper going, we would have taken CJ Stroud. And it's, he's like, and then Houston just never got back to us. And I'm pressing our guys. Did we make the trade? Did we make the trade? Did we make the trade? Because he really wanted it done. And Houston backed out at the last minute. And Tepper's like, well, just trade with Chicago for one. And now you have Bryce Young. And Houston has CJ Stroud. Yeah. And that kind of goes to your point of like, we don't know. We can say this guy's the one, this guy's the guy. And just, it's, it's the other one. Like, Ryan yeah. Leaf and Peyton Manning. You know what I mean? Like, you just... Mm -hmm. Well, even more recently, like a Tua versus Herbert. Yeah. I, we can feel like we have a good idea of it and just be totally wrong. And mm -hmm. that's where I'm kind of like, you want Caleb to be Patrick Mahomes, but that feels like a real dice roll because the floor is he's fucking terrible. And it's floor like... Is, floor is you don't pick up his fifth year. Yeah, like that. the The floor is he's Justin Fields, and we don't want that. That's mm -hmm. you're killing another asset. Whereas, like the floor on a Penix or a Knicks or even a Jordan Travis type might be pretty good. Maybe never elite or like top five or MVP. You're not gonna. You're probably not gonna like. You know how every time we see a new quarterback contract comes, it breaks the previous record. Right. You're probably not breaking a record with them. Right, but they might. You might pick up the fifth year. You might end up paying them. You might. It just might work better. I don't know. I just am at a point where I feel like Bonix has moved me a lot this season, and he might be the guy that ends up the best out of this class. Yeah. Um, real quick, before we get into some playoff stuff, just the the one thing I wanted to bring up from Washington, Oregon, um, is the the play at the end of the or at, on the pick six. Oh, that may be the worst play I've ever seen on a football field. For those who don't know, there was a play in the, I want to say it was third quarter, maybe it was the fourth quarter, um, 
where Bryson Barnes throws an interception. It goes back for what is thought to be a pick six at the time, but actually Alfonso Tupatala drops the ball, not one, but two or three yards out from the end zone. And I, it's one of those ones, like the Deshaun Jackson play always comes to mind whenever this happens yeah. because Deshaun, but if you watch the replay, you kind of needed replay to really tell if Deshaun dropped it at the goal line. This you knew live. And, and it was the first thing I saw when I was watching this game is I immediately stood up and I was like, what is this idiot doing? He dropped the ball two, three yards out from the goal line. He wasn't even close. None of his teammates realized it. The ball was still in the field of play, too, by the way. So one of his teammates should have tried to scoop it up instead of go celebrate with him. And then a Utah lineman wisely sees that it's on the in the field of play, and then you've got a clear and obvious recovery. It wasn't like the, the Deshaun Jackson play in the sense that it was so close that no one was there to have a clear and obvious recovery, and the Eagles just got the ball on the one and promptly the next play end Brian Westbrook's career when he Correct. dives over the, the the pile there and like sprains his neck. And pretty much that was the end of Brian Westbrook. Um, but th- that's the only thing. I will say overall, Washington's defense, like here's the thing with Washington. Their defense isn't good, but it's been situationally good this year. Yeah. Like they're mo- like this second half, you're in a back and forth shootout against uh, Utah, and then you shut them out in the second half. You also got a safety on the next play after that non-pick six as well. But like you should have had the pick six there. Regardless, you get the safety no matter what, and you shut out Utah in the second half after the offense was humming. Like, I'm going to tip my hat there. It's not yeah. a great defense, but situationally, they've been good this year. Well, just like even in the USC game, they got shredded. Yardage-wise, they were getting destroyed. Points-wise, they were getting destroyed. But they came up with clutch turnovers, and that was the difference in the game. Because you turn the ball over, you're able to add to a lead and stretch things out. That was the difference. So they've been coming up big in certain situations. It just they're not very good. And I'm like, how much longer can you keep riding this luck on turnovers? Because Bonix isn't throwing interceptions. Like that, hell's coming to breakfast, for lack of a better term. Like, let's see what you can do against the real Or, are you going to be, is that going to be like situationally, you make the magic play? Yeah, maybe. That's why I think the Oregon-Washington rematch is going to be as intriguing as Bama and Georgia is, yep. Oregon-Washington is my most intriguing conference championship right now. I think this is going to be, outside of the Big Ten, one of the better conference championship slates we're going to see. I mean, the Pac-12 and SEC games are going to be theater. The ACC, who knows, but Louisville, like, maybe has it's a It's a chance. knockout game. They yeah. have, maybe have a chance to play spoiler. Here, let's, let's matrix this out because I, I, think, I think there's nine teams with a non-zero chance at a playoff. Nine teams with a non-zero. All right. Like I, any two-loss team automatically zero. Yeah, Mizzou's out. Oregon um, State's out. Okay. And, and that for me leaves nine teams with a non-zero chance at the playoff here. So, first of all, I, I do want to bring this stat to your attention too. That I, I did a little digging here because I noticed that we've got five undefeated teams in the top ten. So at this point in the season, week twelve, the week twelve rankings. It's the most undefeated teams in the top 10 since 2009 at this point in wow. the season, which is actually kind of shocking to me. Yeah. Um, but it, it just kind of shows like there's a high level of football being played across the country right now. Um, and it almost got me thinking like, were we a little too short-sighted in thinking that this is the year that we wanted a 12-team playoff to debut? 
But I just think that the depth, like these one-loss teams and even some of these two-loss teams are really strong and still would be fun to watch. It's at least worth worth watching that 5-12 matchup in a playoff this year because it's going to be a good game of football. Washington-Penn State would be thrilling. I would love to see what Penix can do against Penn State. And obviously... Let me read off these matchups that you get. You get Washington-Penn State. You get Oregon-Oregon State. Oh, the Civil Um, War. Well, you wouldn't because they'll play each other in the regular season. um, Just just for right now, uh, Texas and Louisville and Bama-Mizzou. Yeah, those would be excellent. Sign me up for all those games. Those would be a lot of fun. Like, I was thinking about the 12-teamer, and I've always been against it, but once you start to dig into what some of these matchups would be, and the fun part is they'd be home games. So Penn State traveling west to Seattle (laughs) to play at Husky Stadium. Like, Oregon State, Oregon in Autzen for a playoff atmosphere. Louisville, uh, Texas, at DKR, same thing. Mizzou going to Tuscaloosa. It just be those environments would be really cool. Playoff night games, home fans, that would be awesome. Uh, I do have to ask. We go through like the nine that can, and it's the undefeated: Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, Washington, and then the one loss teams: Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Louisville. And mm-hmm. of those bonus four. I think only two could actually win a national championship, and it's Oregon and Bama. But to yes. have, like, I'm at a point where I have six teams, seven teams that I think could actually win a national championship. I've never felt that way in college football. Yeah, ever. That's that's the way the seasons played out. Like, you tell me any one of those five undefeated teams right now wins, and yeah. I get it. We've had we've had teams that are undefeated at this point in the season where it's like you're undefeated, but uh, I can't see you winning a natty. Well, like, that's kind of where Florida State's at for me right now. I don't know if I can see Florida State doing it, but if they play their best game, they're as good as anybody. They like, just keep playing they, their B minus. Yeah, because they they're getting C or D level opponents every single week. Like I wonder with Florida State, do they have a little Georgia in them? Where if the game really means something, you can flip the switch. Like, if they go out and crush Louisville, if they do to Louisville what we saw Georgia do to Ole Miss, then I'm back in. I'm back in on Florida State as being a team that can – because of all the undefeateds right now, I'd give Florida State the least chance of winning a national championship right now. But if they go out and and crush Louisville like we saw Georgia do to Ole Miss, then I'm back in. Then I think they have just as good of a chance as the other four undefeateds and even some of the one-loss teams, too, that are playing really well. Well, like – it does kind of feel like there's a chance. Is Florida State and Ohio State, are they kind of playing possum? Are they laying in the weeds a little bit and like, we're not going to do everything that we can do. We're not going to show everything, put it on film. We, Ohio State especially, we've got three big games this year. Notre Dame will show out. Penn State will show out. But we need to Michigan, save everything yeah. mm-hmm. for Michigan. And then Florida State, it's like, well, we won the LSU game and the ACC is terrible. So let's just yeah. rock through the ACC and play a bunch of hell games where we survive in advance. And then once we get to the playoff, we are who we are. If they're doing that, one, it would be the most incredible thing ever. And two, <laughs> I think you're playing with fire a little bit because you yeah. should be tuning yourself up, not like, well, we'll have it when we need it. That always feels risky to me. I think you should be trying to dismiss the narrative that's out there right now of Washington is better than Florida State. Like, if Florida State was going out and crushing some of these teams, who knows? Maybe they're number two, number three in the the playoff rankings. Maybe if you're doing it impressively enough, maybe you're even number one. 
right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that they could be, right? If they've been blowing out this ACC schedule and they had the LSU win in their pocket and they're undefeated, I think everybody would look at one. Jordan Travis probably would be in the lead for the Heisman, and instead he's Mm -hmm. nowhere to be found because he's not in the lead in any statistical category. Like, he's not even close. And you just go, is this team just kind of the best team in a horrible ACC and they're the sacrificial lamb that gets bombed in a semifinal? And it's like... Oh, well, yeah, they went 13-0, and but, boy, it would have been nice if they dropped one of those so that we didn't have to watch that shit. Yeah. Like Notre Dame a few years would go the 12-0, and and it's, mm-hmm. oh, well, you get in, and then you just get flattened. Yeah, or the the Oklahoma teams, too. Like, sure, it's nice. You, you run through the Big 12, and, and you got a high-flying offense that could put up 50 on any Big 12 team, but why don't you go see what it's like playing against an SEC team? Yeah. And then all that that fifty burger magic kind of goes away. I'm starting um, to get there with Michigan and Ohio State too, because I just I don't know how good this Big Ten is. I still don't know if Michigan's played anybody. Ohio State the, in the big games just hasn't looked great, but they've got them got the results. So you have to give them credit. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, once you got to go play a big boy, and it's Alabama lining up on the other side, or it's Georgia, or it's Oregon. What's it going to look like? Because you really you haven't been punched in the face like that, and we know they're going to punch each other in the face. But are either of them actually good? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of talking through, let's kind of talk through how each team gets to the playoff. I think there's some easy ones. Obviously, Georgia, went out, you're in. Ohio State and Michigan, same case, went out, yep. you're in. Um, Washington, went out, and you're in. Yep. Oregon, I think it's went out, and you're in. I, it, um, is. It, it, it is. There's no way they get left out. Avenge your only loss. One of the two Big yeah. Ten teams loses. Teams loses, yeah. Then, There's and, no way and you've got you've got the better. In all likelihood, you'll have the better strength of record. It may be like you may have a toss up strength of record wise with Ohio State, but Ohio State won't play in a conference championship game, and you will. Bingo. So there's your there's your difference there. Um, you could end up with the same number of wins as Ohio State um, if they were to lose. Um, then getting into like Florida State's the interesting one. Even if they do win out, like who are the teams that? Florida State can go undefeated and get bumped. Oregon and Alabama. Like if I'm matrixing I'm out, with you on there. If I'm matrixing out the way Florida State goes 13 and 0 and it doesn't matter, sorry, hit the bricks. It's Georgia wins out this gauntlet, goes to the SEC title game and loses to Alabama. The wins that they've had against ranked teams have been convincing enough that you're getting in. Like, even if you lose in the SEC title, we're going to put you in. If Bama beats Georgia in the SEC title, you're getting in. And then you go, okay, well, one of the Big Ten teams gets kicked out. Oregon avenges their only loss in a conference title game and will have miles better strength of record, will have a better resume, more ranked opponents. Here's the, here's the thing right now. Florida State, I'm trying to map this out internally, has the third best strength of record right now. How is that possible? Like I'm trying to I'm trying to think that through in my head right now. Because okay, you got a win against Duke. You have the win early in the season against LSU. But nothing spectacular. I mean, go on the road to Clemson, but nothing spectacular. There's nothing spectacular you can really do the rest of the season. Like I I Release the formula. Like, what's the formula for strength of record? Like, I have to tell you, if Oregon 
gets left out of the playoff for a Florida State team that, like, if you watch both teams play, Oregon is the better football team. It's just it's that simple. Do the eye test. Watch them. Oregon's better. End. Mm-hmm. If they get left out because Florida State went undefeated, I'll be angry. Now, Oregon's strength of record, if they do win out, will probably elevate past Florida State's because Florida State has a, a no-name Sisters of the Poor school and then Florida, and then you, you'll go up against uh, Louisville in the ACC championship. So, like, the, at the end of the day, Oregon's strength of record – if if we were having to compare resumes at the end of the day, will in all likelihood be better than Florida State's. And you would avenge your only loss. It would just it feels yeah. like you had a more to pivotal let that time. team in. Mm-hmm. But honestly, they probably wouldn't just because undefeated. They haven't lost. We got to put them in. And like I get it. I just would feel bad because I think Oregon's the better team, and we should reward the better team. I've never been this guy. Last year, I was the guy who said TCU did all this stuff, and then they won the playoff game. They should have been rewarded for it. But they lost their conference title. Like, if Oregon goes out and avenges that loss, how could you ever leave them out? Yeah. And it's not some uh, out-of-nowhere team. It's a really good team. I think you may have a different conversation if they were to, say, play Utah or USC in the conference championship. But because it's Washington... I think it completely wipes the loss off the resume. And honestly, wipes it. we haven't gotten to this point, but there is maybe a nightmare scenario. Which is, is it Bama? No, it's Washington loses this weekend to Oregon State, which I have to tell you, I think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you get two one-loss Pac-12 teams, Oregon and Washington, both with a loss in the Pac-12 title. Then it just diminishes whatever we think of that win if Oregon does avenge it. And you go, okay, well, now Florida State has to go. Because out of Oregon's control, Washington lost to Oregon State. So honestly, what I need is Bama to not beat Georgia. Because I want Oregon to win the national championship. I'll be open about it. Mm -hmm. I need Bama to not beat Georgia. And I need Louisville to beat Florida State. Let's just have no debate about it. Let's get Oregon (laughs) in the playoff. Um, Let's talk about the... Texas scenario. How does Texas get in? Obviously, you got to win the rest of your games here, but you need Florida State to lose their title game. You need Oregon to lose their title game. Can Texas... uh, One-loss Texas still probably has the better resume over a one-loss Big Ten team, right? You'll have the win against Bama. You'll when be a you, conference champion. When you asked the question, what does Texas need? My initial thought was everybody else basically has to die. Like, Georgia has to be this undisputed one. The mm-hmm. Big Ten between Michigan and Ohio State cannot be close. Either side. Like, you need one of those two teams to win convincingly. And just totally eliminate the other. I think... Probably need Ohio... I think it would help too. Maybe subconsciously it helps, but probably subconsciously helps if Ohio State crushes Michigan. Because of all the the shit happening at Michigan, kind of would maybe make people think, oh, okay, maybe they are not really everything that people have thought they've been all season. Honestly, Tyler, I'm looking at like they need Florida State to lose. That's the only way. Like if Florida, because they're not getting ahead of Oregon or Washington. They're they're just not. 
Like if if Florida State loses, then I think one of the Pac-12 teams, and then you can make an argument for Texas if they're that next team. But if Florida State wins out, I'm not putting Texas in ahead of Oregon or Washington. I'm not. I can't do it. No, you can't. Even if Washington lost at Oregon State, like Corvallis is a tough place to go and play. If you lose that game, I'm still putting you in ahead of Texas as long as you win the Pac-12. Yeah. I'm with you there. Who's Texas I mean, going to play in the Big 12 title? Oklahoma State? I don't care. I, I don't care. You can't... Even if they play Oklahoma, Oklahoma blows. Yeah, Kansas, Oklahoma, I mean, talk about a team that's really fallen off. You're going to play Two Kansas? Two loss Oklahoma now. Kansas is an eight and a half point dog to Kansas State in Lawrence. You're going to play them in the Big 12 title? Are you going to play Kansas State again? Because they almost you still beat you. Iowa State? Right, they're, like, they're in the cards. Like the Big Twelve is so gross that I just, I think they need Florida State to lose, and that's the only way. Yeah. Okay. Um. And then Bama. I think Bama's an interesting one. So obviously, you got to go out win the SEC. Is there a chance for two SECs this year? I think there is. There certainly Every is. Year. And year. and I think that with with Alabama, the path is you obviously have to win out. You need Oregon to be eliminated. You need a Pac-12, an undefeated Pac-12 Washington. You need Florida State to lose. And I think that's about it, right? Am I missing anything there? Because I'm taking one loss Bama over either the, uh, over whatever team loses the Big Ten. Taking one loss Bama over an ACC loser, or one loss ACC loser, Florida State. I'm taking Bama over a two loss Oregon. I don't even know if they need Oregon to lose. Like, my biggest fear is if they beat Georgia, we just get what we always get. And it's Bama and Georgia both in the playoff. And they'll manipulate the seeding so that they can't play in the semifinal. Mm -hmm. And it'll just be what it is. And, like, somebody's going to be left out that shouldn't be left out. And it'll be a huge debate again. But they're not going to do what they did last year and leave Bama out. You know what's going to be annoying? If Bama and Texas have the same record end of year, yeah, and you've been going, you've been going by this predicated, oh, there's the head to head, and there's, it's not like the the Washington Oregon one where you can sort of wipe away the the Washington loss um, for Oregon. Is there a like, chance that Alabama wins the SEC, beats Georgia, and Georgia goes to the playoff while Alabama stays home? No. How can you do that? Because of what you just said, head-to-head is so important. Game? If Texas is twelve and one and Bama's twelve and one, but Bama beat Georgia, but they're both conference champions with the same record, and one of them beat the other, how could you I... ever honestly go? We're gonna put Bama in. Is it like, well, they beat them with Quinn Ewers, and now they don't have Quinn Ewers, so we're not gonna do that. Well, Quinn Ewers is back now, so. <laughs> There's me missing a news dump. Uh, <laughs> Tyler, honestly, if head-to-head is going to be so important to them, if both teams end up, like maybe I was wrong on what I was just evaluating Texas as, if both teams end up 12-1, and one, Georgia slides to fourth, maybe the Big Ten champion goes to one, you get Florida State two, and you get Oregon, Washington, Oregon or Washington champ. three, yeah. and Texas and Bama both sit it out. Conference titles go play the fucking peach bowl 
I'm almost rooting for that. I think that would be a very fascinating. How how do you navigate that? I think that's the way you'd have to do it. I think it would have to be one Michigan or Ohio State, two what Florida State that I say, three Oregon or Washington, four Georgia, and despite the conference titles and the win over Georgia, both of them get left out. But then what do you do? Because you can't go. We have Georgia ranked ahead of Alabama, even though Alabama just There's beat them head-to-head. and head to head. So well, important. okay. If head-to-head's so important, Alabama automatically has to elevate above Georgia. Like, your pecking order would then have to go. Then does Georgia get left out? Yeah. This Dude, this sucks. This Every year I'm going through this, and I'm like, well, this team doesn't even fucking deserve to go, so who really cares? You're just fighting for seeding manipulation. And this year I'm like, six teams should be in this event. Mm-hmm. And only four of them can make it. And somebody's going to get screwed, and we're all going to be unhappy as a result. I'm totally with you there. And um, imagine they leave Florida State out, right? 13-0 Florida State. And they go play a New Year's Six Bowl, and they win. And they lock a 14-0 season. Do the UCF thing. Put a banner up. We won yeah. a national championship. Listen, it's different with UCF. The The Florida State one would actually make, like, there's a, a real gripe there. Yeah. Being an undefeated conference champion in a power conference with legitimate wins this year and being shut out. Like that that would be really shitty. This it's a good thing this is the last iteration of the four. Because no matter what happens. Your dog alright there? Can you not? <laughs> no matter what happens in the in the end, somebody's going to be really pissed off. So, uh, fans of some team are going to be more pissed and than you know they what? have ever been about the playoff seating. There's going to be pure justification of it, too. Yep. This is going to oh be the first good, time yeah. that it's like we really deserve to be pissed. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, let, let's let's get weird here, all right? Let's get Louisville in this playoff. How's Louisville get in this playoff? Because I think they're the only other team with a non-zero chance. Obviously, you got to win the, the ACC championship. You got to be an, a one loss, 12 and one ACC champion. You got wins against Florida State and Notre Dame. Who else? Uh, Duke, a shutout win against Duke, albeit, uh, I believe that was a no Riley Leonard game. Um, and you'll have a win against the rest of the way, wins against Miami and, and uh, Kentucky. All right. Can we, can we workshop Louisville into this thing? Although I will say, if Mizzou didn't win by as much as they did against Tennessee, I think we'd see Louisville at nine instead of behind a two-loss team here, and that would maybe optically make it feel a little bit easier to do. But because Mizzou's ahead of them at nine, it feels a little weird. I think Georgia beats Bama. You need Yes, you need to eliminate Alabama, correct. You need Texas to lose the Big 12 championship. Or just any game. You just need Texas to yeah, lose Yeah, Texas to lose another game. You need... You need Oregon to have probably another regular season loss. No, I think you need to have the freaky, weird scenario where Washington loses to Oregon State and then Oregon wins the Pac-12 and you just kind of look at the Pac-12 the way we've always looked at the Pac-12 and go, be happy with what you get. And... You might actually, you might need like Oregon to drop the Oregon State game too, and but, but then what do you, you do? Because then you're the Oregon biggest State. Beavers fans. You might be the biggest Beavers fans the rest of the way, right? Because then you have a bunch of two lost Pac-12 teams. If Oregon beats mm-hmm. Washington after losing the Civil War, you need that. You then need 
I mean, maybe you need Michigan to beat Ohio State and get playoff banned. Like, you need... <laughs> I think you need a lot if you're Louisville. Like, you have a chance, but it's a .00001% chance, mm-hmm. and you have zero control over it. Even if you win all of your games, you are resting on other people's work. You may be a victim of Florida State's resume may not be as good as it looks. Like, in any other year, like, if... I'm trying to think. It, like, if... Louisville had to beat Washington for their conference championship. I think we're looking at it very differently than if they had to beat Florida State. Agree. Agree. Like, I, And that, yeah, that's I think, hurting them right now, and that kind of sucks. Like, There has to be so many losses that happen in front of you for Louisville to get in. I, I think it can happen. It's just so unlikely. And if this mm-hmm. top five stays undefeated through next week, their chances are about over. Yeah. And even like one loss, like let's think about a, a potential one loss conference champion situation too. Louisville's going to have the worst resume out yep. of all those teams, like a one loss Oregon conference champ, a one loss Texas conference champ, a one loss, even like a one loss Washington conference champ, a one loss um, Georgia but conference the, champ, or one loss Bama. Win. The Florida State win might become that top level win that you need. So it's just, they're an interesting case. I think they can make it. I just don't think it's like. Let's put it, let's do this little exercise here. All right. Louisville, let's say they were playing Florida State this weekend and they go out and win. How many teams do they leap? You leap Mizzou. Do you leap Bama? Do you leap Texas? Do you leap Oregon? I don't think you're leaping a lot of these one-loss teams. Because Bama plays Chattanooga, you leap Bama. Um, Louisville's got the 13th-ranked strength of record right now. I don't think you leap either Big 12 team. If you leap Bama, I feel like you can leap Texas, but I don't know that, that you for sure do. I think they go to like eight. Okay. And I think Florida State would drop to like nine or ten. That's and then fair. you just look yeah. at the ACC and you go, yeah, well, that's the ACC. Fuck them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretender power conference. All right. Um, let's get into some of the other things we had uh, lined up for today here. And I think uh, one of the the big stories that's kind of been – I feel like it's been buried this week because it's been just a – Michigan. I don't know. Just Well, not Michigan, but – I was going to say Jimbo Fisher getting fired. Yeah, but I'm like I'm, I'm making the point. Michigan is mm-hmm. burying all the big stories. It's just everywhere you turn, it's Michigan. Yeah, I, I saw this coming from a mile away. I mean, I I thought Texas A and M could win the SEC and maybe Jimbo could get his shit together, and he couldn't. And now nobody should ever hire him again. That <laughs> like. If you can't do it at Texas A&M where you have every resource in the world and they're willing to pay you seventy six million dollars, if you to play fail. Golf, with oil money, you're a loser. Tyler. Like <laughs> you can't do your job. Every recruiting class was top ten, top five. Everyone. They had the best transfer classes. They dominate the portal. They throw money at kids. They buy players. Like it's Miami on steroids. And if you can't win with that and all the preseason top ten rankings and you consistently fail. I have no interest in you coaching anywhere else. Why should I let you try it with less resources when you failed with the most? Yeah. 
I mean, he's going to go to a low-rung Power 5 team probably is his next stop. Like, a, a place that's impossible to recruit in. And let's see if you can do it. Like, Don't say it. I, I was going to use my school. I was okay. going to use my school. All right. Because I, I think Michigan, Michigan State's a place you can recruit at. Syracuse is not. But, like, I'd take him at my school. But I also know that Syracuse is probably one of the five toughest power five jobs to, to recruit to. And the, for that reason, I would take it in name only. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, he's get, been given every chance to succeed, and he has failed every step along the way. I saw this tweet from Peter Burns, too. This, was a, this made me laugh. Jimbo Fisher, because of the buyout, first of all, he's getting a 19 mil lump sum. And then every year on top of that, he's given he's getting seven mil a year till twenty thirty one. So because of all this, Jimbo Fisher is going to make twenty six thousand dollars a day until twenty thirty one. That's roughly one thousand eighty three dollars an hour. Assuming he gets a good night's sleep, Jimbo Fisher made eight thousand six hundred and sixty six dollars last night. What a joke. There's no job better than fired college football coach. It's the best job in the world. You're a professional check collector. That's what you are. Unless you're Mel Tucker, there is no job better (laughs) than fired college football coach. It's the greatest. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get better than that. That's incredible. Good for Jimbo. uh, Go golf. One of the names that's been floated, too, as his replacement is Dan Lanning. He has vehemently denied that. And usually when you you hear the guys like say, oh, like I'm not focused on that job. I'm focused on the job here. Dan Lanning, I believe it. Yeah, when I, I hear it out of, Dan, out of Dan Lanning's mouth. And also, what's Dan Lanning's reason to want to leave? Now that I, you're like, in the Big Ten. Now that you're in the Big Ten. Oregon is a the destination. Oregon, Oregon has maybe the biggest backing of like of all the high profile boosters you could have. Phil Knight's the guy I want. Yeah. Like, that shit's cool to kids. And we're in the era now of all these kids that are are going to college football programs and making decisions and recruiting. They think Oregon is cool as shit, dude. Yep. Because remember, that was the it program for people of you and my gen- you and my generation because of the uniforms. And these kids were probably what? eight years old at that point yeah. and you're seeing all these cool new nike uniforms that they're rolling out every single day like that's cool you get all the access to nike that you want in the world how can you stiff arm eugene like what why is like oregon is probably outside of like the traditional blue blood type programs oregon's probably the coolest of all of them I always have thought that. Like that's part of why I've I picked I like them this year. I love them when they're good. They're just cool. And it's Texas- probably Oregon and then like I would say Oklahoma. Because I think the Jordan brand stuff matters to a lot yeah, of these kids. That's fair. Uh, Texas A&M to me has never been cool. Like Johnny Manziel was cool, but Texas A&M wasn't cool. You know what I mean? Like Texas A&M's just kind of like about their business. Kyle Field, 12th man. There's cool stuff there. But it's not, it doesn't feel like that's dope. You know, there's a different thing with Oregon, with Colorado now. By the way, did you hear Dion get asked about A&M? And he's like, my family's in Colorado. My kids are in Colorado. I pay taxes in Colorado. He said everything but no. (laughs) He was decidedly (laughs) not saying no. So I wonder if there's a little smoke there. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Wouldn't be surprising. I mean, that's a name we floated earlier in the year, too, yeah. as a possibility there. But um, Can we just who- take a moment? Mm-hmm. I want to address... What, what were you going to ask me before we do this? Well, I was going to say, do you have any names that you're thinking For at A&M? A&M? Yeah. I'm worried that they're going to get urban, and I will strap a rocket to Alan Haller's desk and fire it with him <laughs> attached to it into outer space. Um I'm a little worried about that. I think Dion's a candidate. And other than that, I mean, they how likely are they really to go back in the deep end of the pool and do this again when they already are paying $76 million to somebody? Are they going to give another guy $76 million? Or are they going to Mike Elko, Lance Leipold this? I don't think they go that low. Here, here's the name, and maybe it's a little complicated because of the shit that's come out in the last week, but... I think Lane Kiffin would have been a, a real candidate there. Yeah, I just you can't put Lane in living rooms anymore to recruit kids after yeah. after that. And even if you think yeah, he should be right, happy with the job he's got now. Whatever you think of it, it's going to be tough to talk to parents after you kick a kid off the team and you're swearing at him at, during a mental health break. How about this one? What about Davo? He's never leaving Clemson. If Clemson's a stock, you should be buying it. He's not going anywhere. But I, what if what if he gets the axe? I don't think he's getting axed either. If I think he gets bought out year. there. I think the Notre Dame win bought a lot of people's good graces for another season. Okay. Um, I want to ask you one last thing before we wrap. Mm-hmm. Why are the NCAA the biggest scumbags in the fucking world? I know exactly just, where you're going with this. Just let James Madison play in the postseason. Who is this rule good for? You are actively telling your talented FCS programs, do not try to get promoted because we're going to fuck you for no reason for two years, even if you're good. If you missed it today, the appeal to waive the second year of postseason ineligibility because the NCAA has a rule where if you move up a level, you cannot compete in the postseason for two seasons. And JMU is undefeated this year. And they're in the top 25 in the AP poll. And they would be in the top 25 in the college football playoff poll if not for the fact they can't compete in the postseason. So they appealed a third time about this to get it waived because the only people being punished are the kids. It does nothing for anything other than the kids that play on that team. And the NCAA said, no, you can't play. That is fucking horseshit. And the kids aren't the ones making the decision to leap to the FBS. Like, they're just along for the ride at that point. And it's the same reason I, I, I fall in the same camp as as with uh, with Michigan, too. Like, don't punish the kids. Like, there's nothing they could do. The power was out of their hands to do anything in this instance. And I think it's worth noting, too, uh, Jacksonville State also is, is a part of this uh, where they got their yep. um, eligibility for a, a bowl game denied as well. It's unbelievable. Like James Madison has been one of the best stories in college sports this year. That kind of yep. has flown under the radar, both in basketball and football. Like they, it's been uh, sorry to bring up a open yeah, a wound there for you, but but like James Madison has is undefeated right now, and, and the fact that they're an undefeated team right out of FCS is that's unheard of. That's yeah, like a triple A team. Going up and, and competing for a division. East. Yeah. Like, it just bothers me. And honestly, if I'm the Sun Belt, let them play for the conference title. What's the NCAA going to do? 
Really? Like, what are they going to do? They're going to take two years to make a decision about the punishment that the conference has to face for doing it. Just let them play. You're the Sun Belt. Like, who gives a shit? Just let them play. They're undefeated in your conference. They deserve a chance to play for a conference title, even if they can't go to a bowl. Let them fucking play. It's ridiculous. Didn't they host game day this year, too? This week, they're getting game day. They're getting game day this week. They're undefeated. They're getting game day this weekend. And you get told by the NCAA that because of some archaic rule, I don't even know why it exists. You can't go to the playoffs. It's a financial. It's got to be a financial thing. Like, I think you get $4 million. Each school or each conference gets $4 million for a bowl team. Which is stupid in and of itself. But just. They're fucking awful. They're awful. This does nothing but hurt the players that have earned a chance to compete. It's garbage. And, and it, they're the, good. The NCAA, yeah, they, they are legitimately good. Like, this team is probably better than some of those, like, Coastal Carolina darlings yep. that, that were, were rising through here. They're a bit it, like the UCF team that almost made it. Yeah, they are. Um, I, I, the NCAA will never admit this because it it taints their product here but nobody gives a shit about the average bowl game anymore i know like and that's part of what like you could never use that in your argument if you're james madison because then it's like well what are you vouching for at this point but like just let them in like nobody cares about the the idaho potato bowl the cheese it bowl all that other bullshit that that sprinkled from December 15th through Christmas. Like, no one cares. And the rub on it really is, like, because of the five-win academic standards exceptions to bowl teams getting in, if you're James Madison, you're getting the door slammed shut on you for a New Year's Six Bowl so that Northwestern can play in some bowl in mid-December that nobody will watch. And, like, that... Well, I respect to I, Northwestern because they've done a great job this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But JMU should be taking that spot. You know what I mean? I do... I do, I do. From what I'm reading here, you still will get in if there aren't enough six-win teams. Yeah, but does the academic thing kill them? Like, does Northwestern get the spot anyway? And they won't get a New Year's Six bowl. They'll get. But if there's not enough six-win teams, right? So, like, if it came down to a five and seven Northwestern or a twelve and zero or thirteen and zero JMU, I think JMU. From what I'm reading here, JMU would get in. Good for us. We get uh, thirteen and or twelve and zero JMU as a. 30-point favorite in some bullshit bowl against a six-win team in Hawaii. In Shreveport, Louisiana. They're going to play at the Yankee Stadium. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that. It just pisses me off. I just wanted to end the show on that because it just really, that grinds my gears. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you on that. All right. That, I think, is about it for us here. By the way, we were at the Champions Classic last night, so we're going to do a little Basketball U tomorrow. There we and, go. And talk about everything that we saw at the Champions Classic because that was a good time. And there, we had a lot of like ancillary stuff that we should talk about, too, yeah. from that game. Like, there yeah. was just some other little stuff that's just like worth bringing up from that game. So we'll do all that tomorrow on Basketball U. Yeah. Shout out to that guy. You'll find out about that on Basketball U tomorrow. Anyway, that's going to do it for us here on Chicago's College Tailgate, the podcast recap. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Twin Peaks. We'll be back with you Saturday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. on ESPN 1000.